to Scars Left Behind, episode number six. The United Nations reports indicate that since the outbreak of the pandemic, empirical research suggests that all types of violence against women and girls, particularly domestic violence, has intensified. As the United Nations warns, this is the shadow pandemic growing amidst the COVID-19 crisis and we need a global collective effort to stop it. As COVID-19 cases continue to strain health services, essential services such as domestic violence, shelters and helplines have reached capacity. More needs to be done to prioritise addressing violence against women in COVID-19 response and recovery efforts. This increase in domestic violence is concerning, as even before the COVID-19, the issue of domestic violence was at a high level and far from being resolved. These concerning facts are as follows. One in three women and girls experience physical or sexual violence in their lifetime, most frequently by an intimate partner. Worldwide, almost 750 million women and girls alive today were married before their 18th birthday, while 200 million women and girls have undergone female genital mutilation. One in two women killed worldwide were killed by their partners, or family in 2012, while only 1 out of 20 men were killed under similar circumstances. 71% of all human trafficking victims worldwide are women and girls, and 3 out of 4 of these women and girls are sexually exploited. November 25th marks the International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women a United Nations Day designated to highlight the issue of violence against women and girls and to call for more action to combat it. Over time, the day has evolved into a global widespread initiative that now incorporates 16 days of activism and the UNITE campaigns. This significant United Nations focus on the issue is justified by the very data on the relevance of violence against women globally. How Terry Winston built the first professional studio recording run by women. That must have been a a typo error. Um, Let's ignore that anyway. Shamefully, in 2020, we are nowhere near eliminating violence against women. Among the different forms of violence, rape, and sexual violence remain underreported and under-discussed crimes, something which needs to change both within and outside situations of conflict. Rape and sexual violence in conflict used to be perceived as inevitable byproducts of war, the spoils of an invading army or a successful conqueror. However, the international community now recognises that rape and sexual violence is often used as a deliberate military strategy for demoralising an enemy. This shift in recognition has been significant 
especially as it has allowed for the prosecution of sexual violence in conflict. In accordance with this new perception, on June 19, 2008, the UN Security Council unanimously passed Resolution 1820 on the use of sexual violence in war, indicating that rape and other forms of sexual violence can constitute a war crime, a crime against humanity, or a constitutive act with respect to genocide. Rape and sexual violence are not exclusive to conflicts. Indeed, one in three women and girls experience physical or sexual violence in their lifetime, most frequently by an intimate partner. While international bodies and states have been taking steps to address violence against women, this is and will never be enough. Such violence requires unity in purpose and all members of society working together to combat it. And as someone who grew up in a household where domestic violence was a regular occurrence, there there has to be a lot more done. And I know that obviously, you know, a lot of health services are drained of resources given the current climate, but but there needs to be new maybe perhaps new services, um, born about you know a lot more action to be taken. There needs to be services that cater towards specific individuals' needs. You know we just can't keep going on and on and not recognise that the more we leave these vulnerable women in danger, the more, you know, the more they're going to go through and vice versa. Now, obviously, this is not to recognise, this is not to, you know, discount what men go through because men do, men do and can be, you know, sexually abused. Obviously not as much as women, but, you know, there needs to be a, a new wave of services that can handle these type of situations, which can also alleviate the pressure of other health, of other health services. So, you know, it's, it's a tough one because, you know, obviously there's a lot of things that need to be done. And, you know, it's not going to be cured overnight, you know, Obviously, all of our all of our healthcare professionals' focus is on the COVID nineteen crisis. Obviously, there is there's always going to be some, you know, conflict of interest, you know, regarding the Moderna virus and all vaccine and all and everything else. So, but you can't, but you cannot escape the data. It is out there, you know. As we speak, as a, as of me recording this right now, there's probably a woman out there, you know, who is unfortunately going through a domestic abuse situation, and you know, a lot of times, you know, they don't talk about it because, you know, they're scared of speaking out because they're scared of what might happen. This. Right from their partner or from a family member, family member. But on top, but on top of you know, 
doing what we can to basically help the NHS staff and everyone else. We also need to figure out, well, the government needs to figure out a way of being able to put together a team of people who can create a new service or rebrand a new service to where they can are able to offer help towards women of domestic abuse, sexual abuse, with a 24-7, where they can discreetly go into, you know, a place and get help. Like, um, I might get this wrong, so forgive me, but there, there was something gone round where if you were struggling, you could walk into a supermarket, and I think it's still the case, I'm not sure, where you can say a safe word. And training and asking, like, obviously, grocery grocery workers, you know, to have extra training to spot the signs of domestic abuse is, on paper, that's a good idea. That's a, that's a brilliant idea. But, in reality, how will that work? Because, you know, being a being able to spot someone who is domestically who is in a domestic violence or being abused right it's very hard it's very hard to spot that because you know being domestic being abused isn't all isn't all about you know having having bruises you know it's not always you know physical physical abuse you know, so how would they go about spotting that? I don't know. But like again, you know, as someone grown up, as someone who grew up in that environment, you know, it's really hard to, you know, calls to the UK's largest domestic abuse helpline are rising week on week. Now this article was written on. November 15th, 2020, but it's still very much important to say to now because it's still going to be the same as it was last year. But almost, but abuse helplines were caused to the UK's largest domestic abuse helpline are rising week on week, as new figures reveal that almost 50 suspected killings may have occurred during the first lockdown. <coughs> Excuse me. The charity Refuge, which runs the National Domestic Abuse Helpline, said it was very concerned by the continuing upward trend in demand for its services. With England a little over a week into its second lockdown, separate data from Counting Dead Women, a project that records the killing of women by men in the UK, identified 35 murders with another 12 strongly suspected cases between 23 March and the start of July, when Covid restrictions were largely lifted. The rate of killings conspicuously steep in the opening period of the first lockdown, gradually lowers to levels similar to those recorded in previous years. Current calls to and contacts with the National Domestic Abuse Helpline, though rising sharply, have not yet reached the levels witnessed 
during the first lockdown. Then, more than 40,000 calls were made during the first three months of the COVID-19 restrictions. One notable aspect of the coronavirus restrictions was the use of technology to intimidate and control partners. Refuge said perpetrators were increasingly using smart locks, webcams, webcams and social media or sharing revenge porn to harass their targets and that it had investigated 195 cases of tech abuse in the first lockdown. As a way of learning from their experiences of survivors and frontline services during the first lockdown, Refuge will this week publish a dossier based on 25 interviews about what needs to change to prevent the same things happening again. Among the findings is a need for more safe homes, with some councils only rehousing the streets homeless during the first lockdown. Similarly, there are calls for better mental health provision, with the report detailing how one service manager supported four women who attempted to take their own lives during lockdown. It also found that all the survivors interviewed were reliant on universal credit and had experienced delays in payments and difficulties in making a claim. One survivor waited for nine weeks to receive her first payment after her application was made. Lisa King, Director of Communications and External mm-hmm. Affairs at Refuge, said the experiences faced by women during the first set of lockdown restrictions should serve as a wake-up call as we continue through the next stage of lockdown and COVID-19 response. What we know is that demand for our services rose significantly earlier this year, and early signs show that that could well be repeated. Karen Ingala-Smith, who compiled the Counting Dead Women figures from internet searches and social media contacts, said lockdown should not be used to excuse perpetrators, she said. It doesn't make abusive men out of non-abusive men. It just increases the triggers that abusive men use to justify their violence. Her tally reveals that during the first week of lockdown, 10 women were killed, far higher than the average rate for March. In the following month, another 8 women were identified as having been murdered, with another 3 suspected cases. Another theme to emerge from the refuge audit was how perpetrators are adept at using coronavirus restrictions to abuse and intimidate. One survivor, Sarah, not her real name, described her ordeal. Shortly before the pandemic, she left her controlling partner and was embroiled in a legal battle over access to their son. During lockdown, he would frequently appear at the door he would turn up and announce and conflict would follow. I had nowhere to go, I was scared in my own home. Scared to leave my own home, she said. And with the police taking up 25 minutes to reach her, Sarah eventually installed the Holly Guard app on her phone, which immediately alerts chosen contacts when the phone is shaking. Later, she contacted Refuge for a web chat that she said provided advice and support 
to deal with the situation. And it's amazing that Refuge is doing that. And, you know, that's great because it means that, you know, these women, these vulnerable women can have immediate access. But that should be but that should be across the board. They should have they should be a system like that in every service, you know. Because I think they would have significantly more women, you know, who are vulnerable, same as men, like children. Well obviously not obviously children with you know, who grow up grow up who need support will have better access. Because don't get me wrong, and I'm by no means an expert in this. I'm just a product of a domestic violence household, you know. But we can't solely rely on on you know Samaritans, you know, um, and all these charities. They do what they they do the best they can, you know. They do an amazing job, but we can't. We need better services for not only women who are in domestic abuse situations, but across the board. And it's about, you know, dealing with one crisis, but also then recognising that there's another crisis, crisis, which is domestic violence. We've also got a third crisis, if you, if you consider suicide. Right, so we've got a multiple, multiple of crises, crises going on, but it's about recognising those and putting the right people in the right places to offer those support. Now again, if you are struggling and you are perhaps in a vulnerable situation, in a domestic dispute situation, then do please reach out to anyone who can help you, reach out to Refuge, their phone, their free phone, 24-hour national domestic abuse helpline is 0808 2000 That's 0808 2000 Or you can visit their, visit www.national nation elder helpline dot org dot uk to access live chat you can also reach out to samaritans on one one six one two three other organizations that you can that you could contact are childline or eight hundred one 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 they are if you are in Scotland, there's 18 and under, 0800-731-4080, if you need further further help. There's also the, if you are in London, London, there is a Muslim Youth Helpline, 0808-808-2008, as well as the National Youth Advocacy Service, 0808 808 that's 0808-808-1001 and obviously there's also NSPCC child protection helpline if your children are at risk 
do their phone number is 0808 800 5000 if you are in a situation yourself there is Anne Child they are in the London area their number is 0845 451 2547 there is Aquarius 0121 622 8181 there's there's action on elder abuse if you think or suspect your elderly parents are being or elders are being in danger their phone number is 08 uh, the phone number is 0808 808 8141 there is the Jewish women's aid 08 there's also live fear free if you are in Wales 08 and there's recovery focus 020-7696 and there's also the National LGBT Domestic Abuse Helpline 0800-999-5428 and there are there is a a few other services um there's victim support helpline 0808 1689 Women's Trust 020 70 34 And obviously if there are any other services within your area and you have access to their phone number or access to immediate support then do please reach out. Do not leave yourself in a vulnerable situation. No, it, it's right. Please get out as soon as, as as fast as you can. You know, reach out. You know, even if you have to do it. You know, on a, a silently. Right, please reach out. Reach out out to anyone within your circle who you trust. Don't leave it too late. Follow us on our social media. Head on over to our Instagram at Scars Left Behind. That's behind without the E. That's the same for our Twitter. And we are on Facebook at SLB Podcast. Also, to listen to our podcasts on the go, you can now find us on Spotify, Acast. Google Podcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and more to come soon. Also, if you enjoy our episodes and would like to give us a rating, you can do so via Acast. Um, do be honest, we do value feedback, whether good or bad. So if you're are loving our podcast episodes then do please give us a rating over on Acast or equally on iTunes when it becomes available.